Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Our two guests are in the books. That leaves time for your calls. What was the best thing you saw in the weekend that was? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? 1-800-849-2761. My free legal advice of the day involves a college football coach and his reminder that in most contexts where you think the First Amendment of the United States Constitution might prevent you from getting fined or otherwise reprimanded or in trouble for your use of your freedom of speech or expression, in most cases where you think it might, unless you are well-trained, it does not protect you. Lane Kiffin, Florida Atlantic University, was reminded of this rule the hard way. He made a tweet with a three-blind mice theme where he was implying that the referees who called his football game this weekend were visually impaired. Now, perhaps the NCAA has a good sense of humor. Perhaps the league's conference office also is loaded with people with a great sense of humor. They may have laughed, but they also slapped Lane Kiffin with a nice little fine. The First Amendment, remember, generally speaking, is not protecting you against your employer. It is not protecting you from getting in trouble for your tweet. If the government is involved, if you happen to work in some context for the government and you are in trouble for, the, for saying something, it can be more complicated. But generally speaking, your private employer or your private conference commissioner can fine you in lots of different contexts for yapping, or in this case, tweeting, as Lane Kiffin did, 1-800-849-2761. Kevin is in Asheville. He has the NFL and college football on his mind. Gary is in Wilson, has more gridiron action on his mind. Just to catch you up to date, worst of the weekend today has included a lot of football. The Broncos, the Falcons, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Giants, and Washington are all bad football teams who looked bad again. I don't know if that qualifies for worst of the weekend, but they got votes. Philadelphia and Chicago are pretty good football teams that got embarrassed this weekend. Mitch Trubisky's under the hot spotlight, and the Bears' defense was torched by the Saints, who were playing without Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. Eagles crushed 37-10 at Dallas. Their record falls to 3-4, and four, and Dallas takes over atop the NFC East. At the college level, I think the main reason NC State's getting worse to the weekend votes, and others had bigger defeats, right? Number six, Wisconsin, saw its biggest dreams shattered. The undefeated Badgers went to a 2-4 and four Illinois team and lost in Big Ten play. That's devastating. Miami losing at home to Georgia Tech in year one under Manny Diaz. That changes the narrative around what you're trying to build after being elevated from Mark Ritz. Uh, defensive coordinator. Florida State loses at Wake Forest. None of those Seminoles fans wants to hear how good Wake is. I mean, they can look and see the Deacons are now 6-1, and one, but they just don't want to hear that there's ever in any universe an acceptable reason for Florida State football, three-time national champion, two under Bobby Bowden, one under Jimbo Fisher, to lose head-to-head to Wake Forest football, which has never come within a country mile of anything like a run at a national championship. The Deeks are good, the Deeks are going to be favored against everybody except Clemson the rest of the regular season. So Dave Clawson, best of the weekend, has a shot at one of the best seasons in school history. But Wisconsin, Miami, Florida State, Boise State had ugly losses this weekend. And I think Duke, slaughtered at UVA, was nominated just because of the avalanche nature of the defeat there. NC State, best I could tell from my email, if there was – 
maybe two consensus points, and then we'll come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. The main points, one of which I 100% agree with, the other's a little bit more complicated. One complaint to Dave Dorn and his offensive staff was this. Why did it take you all the way until game seven to figure out that Devin Leary, your redshirt freshman, is your guy? The reason I say that that one is a little bit more complicated is that we don't know what Devin Leary would have done at West Virginia or at Florida State or in those games the Wolfpack lost, in part because of poor quarterback play. We don't know if a redshirt freshman was ready for that. At West Virginia is not an easy place to play, folks. I know the Mountaineers are down some, but they still smacked the, the Wolfpack. But Devin Leary at that point was the third stringer. It's complicated because we can't see what's going on at practice. Now, Dave Doran even said out loud as he's complimenting Devin Leary, who made really good plays late, it was still a shellacking by Boston College of the Wolfpack. They deserve some worst of the weekend votes, as did the Blue Devils. But the quarterback thing is complicated because Dave Doran said he looked and often sounded and practiced like a nervous guy at the beginning of this, his redshirt freshman season. Well, if you're nervous in practice, if you're a little happy with your feet in practice against your own defense, how are you going to have the poise to go to West Virginia and beat the Mountaineers? How are you going to have the poise to go to Tallahassee and beat Florida State? It's a guessing game. Now, maybe he's, he's a gamer. Maybe he goes from looking less impressive in practice, and he's just a guy, clearly we all see his arm strength, even when he was getting backup snaps and the occasional drive. We, we could all see that the young man had a high ceiling. Who knows what it'll be? He's got a long way to go. Matthew McKay didn't evolve enough in the passing game. Bailey Hockman just threw a horrendous pick six from his own end zone. The one thing you can't do. Got to throw that ball away. That's not going to win you any favors in the quarterback room or with your play caller or with your head coach. So Devin Leary does get to play against the Eagles gradually. He does look good doing it. He does lead some scoring drives late. But again, I think it's more complicated than we would assume that we'd see the Boston College late in a game already lost. That version of Devin Leary, if he had been plugged in at the end of August as the starter. I, I just, to be fair to coaches, I just know I've been around too long. It's not that simple. Where I agree 100% with the Wolfpack fans who are mad at their own coaches or team, one of the worst things that can happen in sports is when your opponent beats you the exact way that you knew that they were going to try to beat you. What's the old saying? Make your opponent beat you left-handed. Now, I happen to be left-handed, but that's the exception, right? The idea is everybody at our Continental Tire Toss, if you ask somebody to throw with their opposite hand, I mean, it's Keystone Cops craziness. I happen to be half ambidextrous, so I can throw it with the right hand. And I, I was at what? I mean, I was hurting Will 90% for my you left were, You my were 90-plus percent this weekend. On it was fire. It was impressive. Occasionally, just for fun, I'll throw it with my right hand. But the saying remains the same. Make your opponent beat you left-handed. Ask your buddy to try to throw you a long pass of a football on the beach someday with his opposite hand. Many of them will not be proud of what you post on Twitter in the aftermath of that, right? You just don't look coordinated. You, you just feel like you're 
you know, you're in a straitjacket practically, right? Boston College is really good at running the ball. Boston College is bad defensively, and it took the Wolfpack a long time to, to even try to exploit that. But offensively, what did you know the Eagles were going to try to do? They're on their backup quarterback. They have a future NFL stud in A.J. Dillon. They have a backup named David Bailey who runs behind, I'd say, of 14 ACC football coaches. There are nine or ten who are pulling their hair out over offensive line issues among starters or in a play- case like Mac Brown at Carolina, it's more the backups. UVA is a good football team with problems on the offensive line. Florida State's a talented offensive football team with problems on the offensive line. They're not the only ones. Miami has a version of this. It's like a plague across the ACC. Boston College has a really good offensive line and really good running backs and maybe a nice pass-catching tight end, and that's it. They have a good linebacker, but he's one player, Max Richardson. So you're supposed to exploit them defensively, and you didn't really do that until it was too late. And then you have to prepare for it. I mean, it's almost 500 pounds of tailback. A.J. Dillon plus David Bailey. I don't think they're quite 500 pounds, but they're not far from it when you combine the two. A.J. Dillon went over 200 rushing yards, and David Bailey wasn't far from 200 rushing yards. The Wolfpack, remember, rushing defense had been top five or so in the entire country. And the question was, well, is that a statistical anomaly because teams are throwing the ball in the Wolfpack and not even trying to run all that much? And, of course, some of their lesser opponents, ECU, Western Carolina, they couldn't run on the Wolfpack. But is it an anomaly because their opponents were throwing, or does the Wolfpack really have something special brewing in its front seven, which statistically was dominant? The Wolfpack had given up six rushing touchdowns on the season. They gave up five rushing touchdowns to the Boston College Eagles on Saturday. I mean, that's how bad it was. 60 carries for 249 yards and five touchdowns, all on the ground, all with an offense that you knew their strength was their tailbacks and their offensive line. When you get beat badly in the exact same fashion that you predicted on the front end would be the first thing that you have to combat with your game plan, that hurts. That's where I see Wolfpack fans being fair with their anger on social media and even their best or worst of the weekend phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. Kevin is in Asheville. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, baby. Hey, man. Uh, I want to get a quick best or worst in and then uh, talk on uh, Cam if I can. Yeah. Um, best is the uh, Vikings. They look good. A little trouble on the back end. I like to see them tighten that up. Yeah. Um, and then the worst is the UNC game, and I'm not totally disappointed. I just listened to the four hours of uh, of on the radio traveling back from Virginia Beach, and it was disappointing, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, the Tar Heels have let a couple of wins get away. Uh, their offensive let them, their offense let them down in that close loss to Wake Forest. They didn't get anything going until the second half and came up just short. And I don't know, it was a combination of things up in Blacksburg. But I, I think the Heels were the slightly better team, and yet Justin Fuente and the Hokies figured out a way to get a win. I'll tell you this, I don't know if you're a Vikings fan or you're just giving them a compliment. In the NFC, I think the Panthers are a part of this mix, but the conversation starts with the 6-1 and one Saints. Teddy Bridgewater's been really good. Drew Brees will be back soon. And the defense has actually overachieved in Drew Brees' absence. 
Minnesota's 5-2, and two, and now that Kirk Cousins is developing some confidence, three straight 300-yard passing games, three straight games of 70-plus percent completions. That guy at his best is pretty darn dangerous. It's a little bit like a Matthew Stafford at Detroit. When he's bad, he's, he's bad, but when he's good, he's really, really good. And Minnesota plays great defense under Mike Zimmer. So if that offense, Dalvin Cook and others at running back, Kirk Cousins starting to find himself on, on, uh, at the quarterback position, it's New Orleans, it's Minnesota, it's the 6-1 and one Green Bay Packers. I do think you have to include the, the 49ers in there because they haven't lost yet. And I'll even throw the Rams in there because with uh, Jalen Ramsey at cornerback, I think their defense is going to look a lot better. They're only 4-3, and three, but it's kind of wide open in the NFC. That's good for the Panthers. But Minnesota Vikings fans, to me, have almost as good a claim as anybody in the NFC to be the, the hottest team in that league or that conference right now. Go ahead with your others. All right, so just hypothetically, so Cam starts against the 49ers and struggles, then everybody's going to be up in the air about Kyle Allen. Then if you put Kyle Allen as a starter and he beats the 49ers, Oh, forget about it. He's got to be the starter, don't he? Yeah, well, I think you're going to see Kyle Allen start. I mean, that's just an educated guess. But you you are certainly outlining a quagmire, a potential quagmire for Ron Rivera and the Carolina Panthers. What's most interesting to me is that for those who've just not watched the San Francisco 49ers, I have no idea what the Niners are going to prove to be after their 6-0 and start overall. But I know this with certainty. They are playing lights-out great defensive football. They're, they're dominating people on that side of the ball. The Patriots in the AFC are playing lights-out defense for Bill Belichick, and the Niners in the NFC are playing ridiculously good offense. I'm not sure they're that much better than an, a ridiculously good defense. Excuse me, Jimmy Garoppolo and friends on offense, I don't know. Maybe they're going to keep it going. Maybe they're not. But whoever gets this starting assignment, A, is putting his body at risk. I don't know if that's the wisest thing for Cam Newton coming off of four weeks of a foot injury or five weeks, I guess, counting the open week. Kyle Allen's going to get the start, and Kyle Allen is either going to crash back to earth because this will be the best defense that he has faced. I mean, it's one of the best in the NFL, so there you have it. But you can, you can look brilliant against the Arizona Cardinals because they're not very good defensively. You can look good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're not very good defensively. Now, he's faced some that are better than that, and he, give him all the credit in the world for his 4-0 record so far this year. San Fran is a totally different challenge. I think Joe Person said it well. Adam Schefter said that Cam will be available for practice this week. That doesn't mean what Ron Rivera decides to do with him over these next four days of practice. That doesn't mean he's going to get starter snaps. Most college and pro programs, of course, you're giving the huge majority of the snaps to the guy that's going to start on Saturday or Sunday. I think that's going to be Kyle Allen. If Cam is, shows enough in practice to Norv Turner and to Ron Rivera, then he would be available as a backup. And if he shows too much rust, they might just keep him on the sidelines for this trip to San Francisco. Uh, you know, have him hold the clipboard and, and see things from a different angle. Cam Newton's going to play again this year. The Carolina Panthers have to see what he has left, but the details of that are fascinating. Because what if Kyle Allen plays well against the best defense in the NFC? Now you have, who, maybe they win. Now he's 5-0 and this year and 6-0 and as an NFL starting quarterback. It's a good problem to have, 
but you're going to see Cam Newton again. I just don't think it's going to be as a starter in San Francisco on Sunday. Appreciate the call. Back to your calls on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. Every player on both college football teams was flagged for a single incident this weekend, and it involved the song Mo Bamba. Isn't he a basketball player? Mo Bamba? Didn't he play for Shaka Smart at Texas? That's also a great song. Not by, it's not Mo Bamba by Mo Bamba, is it? No, no. it is not. Mo Bamba doesn't have his own uh, record deal? I cannot confirm that. No. I don't know. He might. Mo Bamba is by, not by Mo Bamba, that's all we know. <laughs> Mo Bamba was the song playing as two college football teams got all jacked up. Now, a lot of folks who saw this wacky story from the college football weekend assumed that it was like a scenario I've seen a lot where there's a lot of pregame yapping and all of a sudden two huge remember we had to talk with Ruffin McNeil of Oklahoma didn't every player on the Sooners and the Longhorns a couple weeks ago in the Red River rivalry didn't every player on both teams get an unsportsmanlike foul before the game started okay if you only saw the flag for dancing you might have assumed it was the, a pregame thing. And I don't, I'll, I'll just say this. In the pregame, I don't blame referees. You know, they're going to be accused of, you know, not knowing how to have fun and let the kids be kids and all that stuff. Listen, if two masses of humanity come together in the pregame after you've told them to stay on their sides of the field, I don't blame the men in stripes one ounce for throwing the flag every time. Your job is to maintain order. You tell both coaches we're not putting up with this pregame nonsense. Tell your dudes not to do it because we don't care if people tell us we're no fun. We, what does it do when you let them be inches away from each other, nose to nose, and yap? Well, the next thing you know, somebody's going to throw a punch, and then you're getting in trouble as a ref. First, you're the no fun guy. Oh, but then you're in trouble because you – didn't throw enough flags. They didn't take you seriously. Somebody throws a punch, and now instead of seeing the All-American quarterback strut his stuff, he's in the locker room holding his helmet and wondering what went wrong. And you, you know the deal. It's usually the guy who swings back at the guy who pushed first. That happens in sports all the time. This college football flag, seriously, for dancing, all 100-plus players on both teams flagged on sportsmanlike conduct for dancing was not a pregame thing. More on that weird story with your best and worst of the weekend next on The David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> uh, you know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand -to -hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's uh, a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. All right, we have updates from Charlotte, Ron Rivera says, as expected, Kyle Allen will start for the Panthers at San Francisco. He was noncommittal about exactly what Cam will and will not do in practice this week. But Ron Rivera also said that Cam will rehab with the trainers. He also said he was unsure whether Cam will travel to San Francisco. 
So again, this is more of a continuation of the theme we've seen. Cam, remember, did not travel to Arizona, did not travel to London for the Panthers' win over the Buccaneers. They're not sure he's going to travel to San Francisco, but they are sure that the undrafted free agent Kyle Allen, 23 years old, 5-0 and as an NFL starter, dating back to that one late-season victory over New Orleans late late uh, last season Kyle Allen will get the nod against the 49ers on Sunday 1-800-849-2761 one quick thing that I promised then Dan and Winston-Salem Gary and Wilson and you can join us at 1-800-849-2761 what was the best thing you saw what was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why even as Duke and NC State were worst of the weekend for football Got a lot of best of the weekend because their Midnight Madness-style festivities were on Friday night. Kevin Keats and the Wolfpack, I think, have another NCAA tournament-caliber team. They had their fun in Raleigh on Friday. Mike Krzyzewski brought the craziness back to Cameron. They had their event on Friday night. And those Blue Devils, number four in the AP first preseason poll released earlier today. Duke fans got their first, I guess, official in air quotes look at big man Vernon Carey, also stretch forward Matthew Hurt. They are true freshmen, part of yet another star-studded class for Coach K. The point guard, Trey Jones, is going to be the leader of that team. They also have some juniors and seniors back, but look for Vernon Carey and Matthew Hurt as true freshmen to be not Zion Williamson-like, not even R.J. Barrett-like, but certainly impactful for the Blue Devils as first-year basketball players. As we come to your calls, here was the bottom line in college football for the you got unsportsmanlike flags because you were dancing. I'd want to hear from the officials before I draw a final conclusion here, but whereas I defend the guys who throw flags in the preseason like the Oklahoma Tech Texas example I gave, you guys are told before you go out there for pregame warm-ups, don't get near each other, don't yap, and certainly don't touch one another. If 18 to 22-year-olds can't figure that out, I don't care if the whole world tells me, you know, what do they say in the NFL? They say NFL stands for the No Fun League. I don't, I'll wear No Fun League t-shirts over my zebra-striped referee's uniform because I'm just not having it. There's no upside. Stay away from each other. Have fun. Be kids. Enjoy the environment. Don't get near each other. And if you don't follow my rules, I'm throwing a flag. And these guys know nowadays, if you get two flags for unsportsmanlike conduct in the same game, including before the game, you're out. You, you're, you walk to the locker room. You are done. Well, in the Georgia Southern Coastal Carolina game, it was the end of the third quarter. This couldn't possibly be a long-standing tradition because I know the song Mo Bamba has only been out for so long. But it is a hype song for Georgia Southern of the Sun Belt. They crank it over the loudspeakers, their fans go crazy, and their players dance. So we've all seen this at especially college football, but they do it at other levels. You put the four fingers up. Oh, it's the fourth quarter now, guys. We own the fourth quarter. Everybody claims to own the fourth quarter. But it's just part of the tradition. And at Georgia Southern, this song Mo Bamba is part of the tradition. Well, the players are dancing and jumping around to the song in what the team likes to describe as bringing the juice. So clearly this is a staple of Georgia Southern football. What happened was, and it is not an automatic flag between the third and the fourth quarter for some players and coaches to be on the field huddle style, right? You always see them come together. So it's clearly not an automatic flag just to be out there. But what happened? When the Coastal Carolina football players saw the Georgia Southern players in their 
between quarters huddle on the field, a little too close to the hash marks for their liking. And then they heard Mo Bamba come on the loudspeakers, and they saw basically every player on Georgia Southern dancing and jumping. Coastal responded with some dancing and jumping of their own. Now, I told you, Aggie Eagle Classic, the back and forth one side of the stadium dance contest, it's as good as it gets. No flags need to fly. It's actually sportsmanlike conduct, the way they've done it for decades. Very sportsmanlike. Maybe you get a ribbon for that. These guys, every player on both teams, what if you don't dance, Darren? What if you and Will were my teammates? You're good dancers. So at the end of the third quarter, you guys are dancing to Mo Bamba. What if I'm just a big old ugly offensive lineman that has two left feet? I'm afraid to dance. That was, this was non-discriminatory flags here. Every player on both teams got the unsportsmanlike flag. You know what the worst part is? If you had in the first three quarters a flag for unsportsmanlike, you were ejected from the game for dancing. Because that was your second flag. That's the part that I didn't want to see. You got key players, three key players had to walk to the locker room because of a dancing flag in between the third and fourth quarter. It was a close game. It went to overtime. I don't know much about those guys who were escorted to the locker room, but I don't want to see flags for a dance-off. I want to see kids have fun. They didn't, for the record, they didn't come close to one another. You're your broadcaster. Hash marks are far apart. The Coastal kids were behind their own hash mark, on near their sideline. The Georgia Southern guys were behind their hash mark, if you will. So at least 20 yards are separating these two groups of dudes. They're dancing. They're probably yapping too. But unlike the pregame nose-to-nose thing, which essentially encourages a fist fight, and then you got all kinds of ejections that you don't want, it just seemed like dudes were having fun. And that deserves the no fun league label and the no fun league t-shirt i want to see the best players play and i i again i'd listen to the explanation from the officials but it seemed like there was an easier smoother way to get to the fourth quarter especially given that both teams stayed that far apart all right dan in winston-salem is somebody we got to see in person this weekend i believe this is dan from the wake forest tailgate of the week honorees welcome to the david glenn show man how are you you know, brother, I'm well. How are you, David? Doing very well. Thanks for the hospitality and the conversation, as always. Absolutely, man. Thanks for stopping by. The coolers, all the all the fun, uh, all the fun prizes for everybody that comes to our tailgate. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, to me, for for us, that is definitely our best of the weekend. Would be uh, would be Dave Glenn, Darren Vaught, and Josh Graham coming by the tailgate. Very and, cool. Uh, giving us that stuff and awarding it to us and. Uh, and hanging out, you know, like, like, uh, like we're all great friends, and we are. Whether we hear you on the air, or see you in person, uh, we we definitely try to treat everyone like family that comes through that. And, and we feel that, and we thank you for that. Should we share our secret, Dan? What do you think with our statewide listeners? Should we share the? It's you know, it's funny. Most of the time, when somebody goes a little t- over the top with their verbiage, they're accused of drinking. Like it's like late in a wedding reception, and maybe you say something a little over the top. Ah, oh, Glenn's been hitting the sauce again. I'm not allowed to drink of the big tailgate torch, but it's by rule. So when I authentically said that we were advancing the touchdown trailer tailgate, or alternatively the Screw Carolina tailgate, they are in our final four, Darren. I hope I didn't violate any fine print rules, but I did announce that to Dan and Adam Carpenter and the rest of their crew. So uh, we might as well share that with the statewide audience. We have one of our four finalists, even though it is only week eight. I don't believe we've announced any of the other finalists, but uh, 
I had not been drinking. It's an official declaration. You are part of the Final Four, so congratulations. Well, we appreciate that also, and, uh, you know, I was definitely not going to mention that, uh, you know, anywhere. <laughs> You're smooth. You're you smooth. Know. I respect I mean, that's, that. That's, that's not my news to announce. Uh, so, <laughs> but, uh, but I think my, uh, my worst of the weekend was, without a doubt, uh, Dante Lucas for Florida State University. He's a freshman uh, offensive lineman. And before the game, I don't know if you've seen this video, he comes out, he's skipping across the field, starts running his mouth at the 50 towards our guys. Well, uh, a gentleman that I don't think is going to be employed by the end of the season, uh, maybe just after the season, but uh, old Coach Willie there tells him to get his butt back over on their side of the field. So he's skipping around. He's doing the, you know, making it rain sign with his hands in the cash money. Oh, lovely. Well, let's go, let's fast forward here to the very end of the game when Florida State can't snap the ball. And what does one Dante Lucas do? He lines up where he thinks they have the ball. He is number 55. You can go out there, you can find this video. Oh, no. He lines up three yards ahead of the uh, line, and he's waiting. And one of our guys has to push him back as they're scrambling. Oh, no. Timeouts left. They're scrambling to line up and snap the ball. And he's just standing there like, where's everybody at? Not even paying attention. Our guys have to shove him back. That's funny. And did you see that? I did. And that's one of the reasons. Well, number one, an offensive lineman at Florida State shouldn't be yapping at anybody, given how they've played at that position over the last two years. Like, I expect my yappers to be producers. Like, if, if not, you don't have to yap if you're a producer, but you do have to produce if you want to yap. That's how it works for my teams. I'd rather you not yap at all. And I think, shouldn't most yappers come from winning teams? Like, Florida State showed up in Wake, at Wake Forest with a 3-3 three and three record. Like, shouldn't it be... More about winning the game, staying focused, than taunting your opponent or getting the opposing fans riled up or lining up three yards away from where you're supposed to be. Florida State wasn't that guy's fault alone. But for those who didn't see it, 20, Wake 22, Florida State 20. At the end of that game, I don't think the Seminoles were going to win it, but they do have a heck of a field goal kicker. He had missed one earlier, but if you get in range, Aguayo at least gives you a chance. He has an NFL powered leg uh not always the most accurate but a field goal distance for most that would be impossible is at least possible if you're this guy so fsu is scrambling at the end and whereas dave clausen got one of my best of the weekends for those direct snaps to cade carney they couldn't find the end zone all day so they came up with a little bit of a gadget play and, and just ran it right down the seminoles throats to get that one and only touchdown they got in their 22 to 20 win florida state has had a lot of criticism come its way for clock management problems. And there it was as the final seconds are ticking away and they don't have timeouts. It was the quarterback out of sorts. It was the offensive line out of sorts. It was the play calling out of sorts. And, and he, obviously Willie Taggart and his offensive staff are going to get some much deserved criticism when you have a tiny glimmer of hope to steal a game against a quality wake team, but you botch it at the very end. And if it was the only time it happened in two years under Willie Taggart, that would be one thing. 
it's kind of a recurring theme that Seminoles fans are tired of. So shout out to the Deeks, shout out to Dan and Adam and their crew for their tailgate of the week honors. Great to hear Dan Newcomer's voice as he chimes in here on the David Glenn Show. Cade Carney, Sage Surratt, Kendall Hinton, and Dave Clawson. Best of the weekend as Carolina lost at Virginia Tech. Duke got slaughtered at UVA. NC State got embarrassed at BC. Shout out to Wake and App State. The Mountaineers are 5-0. They crushed ULM and Boone to remain among the 10 unbeaten FBS teams. And Wake is now 6-1, still with a shot at one of the best seasons in school history uh, because of a gutty, creative find the end zone eventually way without their starting quarterback, Jamie Newman, who was out with his injury. Well done by Dave Clawson and the Deeks. And Darren, through eight weeks of college football action, I believe the 10 undefeated FPS teams should come with an asterisk, right? Because the Big Tailgate Tour host schools also remain undefeated. It's through, true. Through week eight. We're entering week nine. We're going to be in Chapel Hill for the Duke Carolina game, 4 p.m. kick. So we'll be at our usual spot on Franklin Street from 1 to 3.30 before the Devils and the Heels go at it. Is that an unfair advantage for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels? I mean, are, are, we gonna get, are we going to be the wind beneath the wings of NC State when they host Clemson? Imagine if Big Tailgate Tour host schools are still undefeated by the time Clemson visits the Wolfpack. I mean, is that the kind of mojo Dave Doran needs right now? What, what would have to happen? Carolina would have to beat Duke to keep our streak going. Elon and e- over William and Mary at their homecoming. Elon's favorite. Yep. I think the heels might be a tiny favorite over the Devils. Yeah, a point and a half, I think, was the last I saw. We could be entering week 11 with the big tailgate tour undefeated. And then it would be Clemson at NC State, and who knows what happens there. Save the mojo, man. Save the mojo. You keep building those positive vibes. We had a lot of fun with our friends at the Last Resort Bar on Deacon Boulevard, just steps away from BB&T Field. So thanks to all of those there who came to see us with our tents and Continental Tire Toss. Most, most famous visitor to our Continental Tire Toss this year, Darren. I mean, we've had, we've had governors, senators, politicians stop by. We've had coaches. Dave Clawson even took a photo with us on his way into the game before beating Florida State. I think by the sheer definition of fame outside the sports world, did we have our most famous visitor in uh, your four years on the tailgate tour? Possibly. I think so because Sean Hannity stopped by the tailgate tour Continental Tire Toss and even tried his hand at it uh, at Wake Forest. Yeah, how do, you, how do you do? Not, how? not well. No. Not well. May- <laughs> I, was, I was humming along at 90%. I think he was like 0 for 8. <laughs> Sean Hannity was pr- probably 0 for 8. Some pretty flimsy throws. Of TV is misleading. He looks different without makeup. For the record, neither Darren nor I wears makeup here at the David Glenn Show. Uh, and he's, he's a smaller guy than I would have guessed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Smaller frame. Uh, short. Shorter than me. And I'm not, you know, exceptionally it took tall. A, it took a double or triple take. Is the guy throwing football right now, Sean Hannity from Fox News? <laughs> After eight straight misses for the record, he, he said it was, <laughs> it was all Obama's fault. But on bum <laughs> 1-800-849-2761. Last call for phone calls on the other side. Oh, come on. I'm just kidding. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. 
Roy Williams, welcome yeah. back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand yeah. down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last call for your best or worst of the weekend phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. I have more, one more shout-out. Since we've hit, as expected, a lot of the NFL and college football best of and worst of, Jose Altuve and the Houston Astros best of the weekend. Don't forget, we'll talk more World Series tomorrow. Game one, Washington at Houston. We'll talk more NBA tomorrow. Game one of the regular day one, rather, of the regular season is tomorrow. Cam Newton back in action soon, but not starting against the 49ers. Coming out of a weekend when Andy Murray of the tennis world was the best of the weekend. Jason Day and Tiger Woods of the golf world were best of the weekend. Denny Hamlin of the NASCAR world, best of the weekend. And the Blue Devils and the Wolfpack from the college basketball world, all best of the weekend for various reasons. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. My best of the weekend included soccer for a variety of reasons. My daughter, high school senior, longtime classic level soccer player, missed half of her final club season with mono. It was not fun for a 17-year-old girl to have to deal with. She recently got back into action, but because some of her games are on Saturdays, Darren, and we travel the world with our band of thieves and circus-like tents and games with the big tailgate tour driven by Continental Tire, of course, I am going to miss most of her Saturday games. So I got to see her play yesterday. That was a highlight for me. She and I have been attached at the hip through her decade plus as a soccer player. I coached her for a long time myself before turning her over to the professional coaches. So I had a lot of fun with that. But in the broader sense, shout out to Austin Deleuze of North Carolina FC, honored in his final regular season game in that uniform. All around great guy in the community, former Wake Forest superstar and USL star. So they played this weekend. They actually have a home match in the USL playoffs this Wednesday night. So go out there if you can and support Austin Deleuze and NCFC. And in the even bigger picture, the North Carolina Courage women, the best women's club soccer team on planet Earth, they are the defending NWSL champions. They crushed Megan Rapino in Seattle 4-1. to one. It was yesterday. I couldn't go to the game because I was watching my own daughter play out in Mebane, North Carolina. So they advance to the final, and they get to host it. They're not hosting it because they had the best record, which they did. It's just this was the pre-selected site, and it just so happens that the home team will play in that championship match on Sunday. My daughter doesn't have a match this Sunday, so she and I and a soccer-loving friend from out of town who's visiting, you know, because Maria's in Prague, so while the cat's away, the mice will play, uh, we're going to hit uh, Wake Med Soccer Park on Sunday to see the best women's team in the world seek one more NWSL title. So that's a shout-out, and you can add to this list if you want, Darren. The owner, Steve Malik, nice double whammy winner weekend for him. Kurt Johnson, a heck of a GM and another great guy. Paul Riley of The Courage. And we've had most of these ladies, women as guests. Abby Dahlkemper, Crystal Dunn, uh, Heather O'Reilly was with us recently. Jess McDonald, uh, McCall Zerboni, Lynn Williams, Abby Urseg, Sam Mewis, 
uh, I think we've had all of them on the show over the past several years, some of them more recent than others. Uh, an amazing, amazing group. It's like an all-star team. Whatever your best NBA team you think is starting tomorrow, or, I mean, the Patriots are kicking tail right now. I get it. I, the closest thing to, to you look at a roster or a starting 11, and you're like, man, like almost half of them play for the U.S. women's national team, and several more play for other countries' national teams. You know, Dabinia is from Brazil. It's just crazy. They're, they're amazingly impressive women off the pitch and the most dominant team in women's soccer on it. So good luck to them on Sunday, and congratulations to them for their big win this weekend. Matt, you get the last call on best and worst of the weekend. Go right ahead. Hey, well, I shouldn't say how are you today because you know what I'm about to tell you. Uh-oh. Your Cowboys won and my Eagles lost. Um, not only do we win, I think we made a statement, which I don't know how we didn't make one the last three weeks. All right, worst of the weekend, Heels got the six overtime. He missed the field goal in like the second or third, couldn't get it done. But moving on to Duke this weekend, mainly I'm calling. Best of the weekend, I don't even have to tell you, you already know. I appreciate that. Let me squeeze Gary in. I don't have a lot of time, Gary, but give me your best or worst of the weekend real quick. Yes, best of Nick Skiba, 16th of Wake Forest, 22 points in the victory with yeah. Florida State. Worst of the combination mullet and mohawk boarded by Sam Hart, <laughs> even though as a quarterback he led the Deacon. Victory. Yeah, he didn't have his greatest game and maybe not his greatest haircut either. Thank you for playing Gary and Wilson. It's fun to picture Gary in a mohawk uh, when he calls the David Glenn show. Maybe someday. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Thanks to UNC coach Mac Brown for dropping by. Joe Person from The Athletic Carolina. Thanks to Sean Hannity for dropping by the Continental Tire Toss at the big tailgate tour stop in Winston-Salem on Saturday. Best wishes to Mark Richt and Mike Maniscalco, two friends of the program in recovery mode in the medical sense here lately. You heard their messages. We can catch them on Twitter, Facebook, or other social media. Best wishes to those guys on their way back to action. Patriots at Jets tonight is your Monday night football matchup on ESPN. The new all-access UNC basketball program debuts on the ACC Network at 7. We'll see you tomorrow. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.